When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Once you've got the tags in, then you can start looking at other stuff to back it up. I think the people's thing is, oh, well, I've got to go and buy the tags. I've got to go and buy this. I've got to go and do that. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Advice and let's get into this episode. This episode is in relation to the latest EID reports, information that we've got, and the government is pushing for mandatory EID tagging, electronic identification tags for sheep and goats to come in by 2025. So for those that haven't actually got it, this fireside conversation that we had with Clayton South, Southie, from over in WA, he's actually been in them for more than seven years. So he's actually had a good fair run at them um, and really seeing some trend lines and improving his herd along the way. I just thought it'd be important to get some information about out there about the improvements of how they can be used and we'll actually have another couple of episodes Coming up, but I hope you get something from this episode. So let's get into it. Well, welcome to the Farms Advice podcast. Great to see Twitter really performing for us as farmers. Uh, Clayton South, Southie, as you come up on Zoom here, good to have you on the podcast. Oh, thanks, Jack. Thanks for having us. It's good. I think without having this podcast, me and you would never have connected. Um, but over the topic of what we're getting into today, I just thought it'd be good to get feeler out there for someone that's entered into the market of what EID is and using it with your livestock. Um, can you just give us a bit of an outlay of what your operation is and how did you come across EID? Uh, yes, so we're a sort of a, a cropping and sheep farm. Um, we're probably, yeah, sort of 230, 240 k southeast of Perth in, in WA. Um, 
and I sort of came back to the farm probably 15 years ago um, and there was just a lot of technology sort of being adopted pretty quickly in the in the cropping space um, you know sort of yeah late 2000s early 2010 with sort of auto steer and variable rate um, you know RTK all that uh, you know really data driven decisions and and we I think this, the sheep side of the business was probably just being almost not not left behind, but we sort of wanted to try and manage that in a similar similar way, I suppose. So we, um, yeah, so like a background with the livestock, the old man's been, um, we're sort of from a merino base, but we've been putting sort of some Dooney rams over them. So just a bit plainer bodied, um, still, still cutting a bit of wool, but sort of more focused on sort of having more lambs. So we've been preg scanning, um, and managing twins separately for oh, yeah, probably more than 20 years. And, um, yeah, we we're just sort of starting to use some identification on the twins, like uh, we're using little micron discs and putting them on, uh, like, just the sheep's plain ear tags and then seeing if they would, you know, then come back and scan with twins the following year. So we were just finding we were getting a heap of repeatability um, with our twin-bearing ewes at scanning. So we sort of thought, well, you know, yeah, that, that was getting a bit time-consuming and difficult. Um, uh, so, yeah, we, we just sort of decided to go with the EID. We sort of did a bit of a business case and, you know, looked at what it would cost and what it had, what sort of benefit we'd get out of it, and we, we thought we could make it work. So we um, it was sort of 2015, and we, we put them in the whole flock in, in, in one year just so we could sort of capture all that pre-scanning data. And, um, and then, obviously, they've just been going in our replacement new lambs ever since so but yeah look i'm i'm really really happy where for well, what are we sort of seven or eight years down the track now and i think we're getting yeah getting extreme value out of it um yeah like our our marking percentages are, are sort of been been slowly sneaking up and our ability to that that just gives us a, an ability to cull really hard um because we're bringing in a big a big sort of cohort of ewe lambs the following year we can um yeah, we can cull hard for whatever whatever traits we want to in the in the older flock. So that's I suppose how we how we got into it. And then yeah, obviously now with it with it coming in in a couple of years, where yeah, we're, we're sort of ready. But I yeah, I've got no issue with sort of paying what what we're paying for tags at the moment. I think um, yeah, it's it's giving us a lot more benefit um, financially. I think others now they're scoffing at that barrier to entry of that cost, but probably. When you did it, coming into 2015, all in one year would have been a bit more expensive than what it is now. Um, I know well, the, the tags probably they probably haven't changed too much, and I think I mean we went and bought oh, sort of what was it? We were mating about six or seven thousand ewes back then. Uh, so we and then obviously we bought the the tags to go in the ewe lambs that year. Um, and then yeah, we, we sort of had some mated to uh, terminal. So I think we sort of bought about ten thousand tags in the first year. So um, and then we also bought yeah, like a um, like a, a stick reader. Um, and then we bought we, we bought a Tapari sort of race well sheep handler as well. Um, and that sort of all came from one supplier. So they sort of did us a pretty good deal on that. But um, but then the following year, I think yeah, we've sort of been paying around that. Well, they might have gone from like a dollar thirty-five, dollar forty to I think it's about a dollar fifty per tag now, um, plus GST. So, yeah, but as I said, they only need to go in the um, no, so they only go in our replacement new lambs. They don't go in the weather lambs. They just get a normal um, 
you know, sort of just a normal um, an LIS tag, um, and then yeah, not not, um, not in any of the the crossbred lambs either. And then you can also, if you know you're going to cull, you know, ten percent of your ewe lambs anyway, you can probably order ten percent less and then do a bit of a cull on the cradle for anything that's you know either dirty or wrinkly or what you know whatever you're you're classing for. So yeah, it's not that you know you don't need to put them in everything, but I realise now. In a couple of years, we'll you know they'll have to go in everything that that leaves the farm. So, um, but yeah, I mean I can see going forward, and we've we've done a few little trials with some abattoirs and looked at um, some I suppose individual carcass feedback and like individual dressing percentages. Um, so yeah, I, I can see that going forward once it's um, mandatory sort of across Australia and some and the abattoirs catch up with that. Um, you know, and some of the decks are you know scanning things that are coming in. Um, yeah, I can see that, you know, even though those weather lambs that are, you know, sort of going to slaughter in within the first 12 months, some of the feedback coming from that, um, you know, that, that carcass info could be could be really, really valuable in the future and help us, you know, sort of making, you know, uh, ram selection decisions or breeding decisions on on making sure we're, we're maintaining, you know, some good eating quality for, for a customer. I mean, there's no, no point us producing, you know, lambs that, that no one wants to eat. So it's... Um, yeah, I can see it yeah, being a benefit to, to everyone going forward. Yeah, 100%. You've actually probably stolen my whole questions for this episode in <laughs> three minutes. Um, Sorry, mate. The benefit of getting this is probably seen right throughout the supply chain. You get to improve your yourself on the farm end of it. Processing, they're probably going to come up with um, needing less rolls and labour to get them through, scanning tags, counting tags, and that traceability back to that farm. And also consumers will probably be able to know where where that meat came from, whether it's um, sheep, goat, meat, pig, whatever it may be, um, beef, for that as well. I think there's going to be a lot of, once we see these adoption rates improve, we'll probably get that, um, the whole processing supply chain improving itself as well. And then fed off that data, like what you're doing, being able to increase your herds capacity, their fertility rates by getting... Um, rid of the culls that aren't quite performing to your spec that you need. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, that that's, um, yeah, I, I don't think, there's certainly not going to be a silver bullet in terms of traceability and, and there's a lot of, well, noise about saying, well, they're not going to, you know, the, the WA's paper-based system is, um, is, you know, sort of fairly good. I, I think it's just going to speed up that, that traceability in, in, uh, in case there is any sort of disease incursion or, or anything like that. Um, but then it's obviously going to take a, a little bit of time to make sure the, you know, the database or the readers or the, you know, all of that infrastructure is in place. So it's a, um, yeah, it's a sound system behind it. So I can probably see from a traceability point of view, it's going to be a, you know, it might be a three, five, six, seven year um, transition from the current system to, you know, to a fully, electronic digital one but I, I think once we get there it's you know it, it's probably the speed of speed of trying to work out where all those um an, animals are and and obviously it's still going to be uh, uh, i mean most sheep are traded in in sort of mobs and it, there's still going to be basically a mob-based system not not actual individual animals um down to the same degree that that sort of cattle are traced but um and then yeah that's the thing with sheep it's never and the same thing with our system, it's never 100% perfect. You get the odd tag that 
is ripped out or doesn't read and we've we've sort of lost the data on that animal but you know for us you know 97 98 percent is uh is a lot better than what we were doing before um and then probably just i don't know sort of yeah, might have stolen a bit of thunder but i think one of the one of the big things we're getting benefits from now is is sort of a, from a management uh point of view so we're we're sort of getting you know a preg scanning result but we're also fetally aging um so where we've got a four-week joining and we're basically asking our scanner to try and split that in in half into earlys and lates. Um, and then, yeah, basically all the all the twins are run together, so all the earlys and late twins and, and triplets and then all the early and late singles and, and drives. So it's still just a three-way draft off the scanner. It doesn't slow him down at all. Um, he's, a, he's a little bit slower trying to sort of age them, but we're happy to, you know, to pay him, a, you know, 5% more to you know because he's he's not getting through the same numbers but we've got a, a really good relationship um with him and then that enables us to lamb them in those sort of earlies and lates so we can we can sort of target that pre-lambing nutrition um in a bit more um bit, bit more of a precise manner i suppose because um obviously even with a four-week joining you've got you know one that's about to lamb and then one that's 28 days behind there, the nutritional requirements can be quite different. So it's just having that ability. And then and then that sort of tends to flow into sort of landmarking as well. We can mark the, you know, we know in a certain week we've sort of got to crack on and get those earlies done, but we know the lakes can wait till the following week. We're not trying to landmark everything in a week. If we get a, you know, horrible weather, it's not not great fun trying to trying to mark lambs in the rain. And so we, we can sort of avoid that. And then, you know, if our season can can sometimes sort of cut off pretty, uh, you know, like a bit shorter. Well, we know those early, uh, you know, those early twins, early singles are, are sort of old enough to be weaned at, at, you know, whatever target weaning age we've got. We, we can get them off mum and and uh, help the ewes recover. Um, and But, yeah, knowing those lates have just got to stay for another week, but also just being able to, to spread out those, um, yeah, that, that sort of management. And if, you know, if it's looking fantastic, we can leave the – or, you know, we get a really kind spring – we can, we've got the option to leave the lates, uh, sorry, leave the earlies on, you know, for an extra week or two and get a bit more weight into them and then, you know, do them all in one week if, if we want to. But, um, yeah, so it's sort of that that on-the-ground management and, and planning and stuff like that as well where they've, yeah, where there's no way we'd be able to do that without without the EIDs. Um, and then probably the other big one is we're sort of non-mules um, and have been for a while, so we... we we try not to drench our sort of young sheep at all and put them under a, a bit of a bit of pressure and then give them a dag score and then either, you know, a crutch and a drench or or both at the same time. But then having to then try and manage, if we didn't have EIDs, to try and either yeah, record tag numbers or rattle them or, or do something um, like at crutching because obviously then you remove all the dags. Um, but now we, we have that dag, dag score recorded against the tag. So... Quite often we'll dag score as we're crutching, um, and then we don't need to use that data, and then we'll can run those sheep right through till till whenever, and then we can put them back through the auto drafter and just draft off all the dag score, you know, threes, fours, and fives, or you know, depending on 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 sort of what we want to cull out. So it it gives us really sort of um, yeah powerful powerful data to use, and and being able to just still manage them all as one mob, but know that we've got those um, those daggy ones in that we can remove that, you know, like at any time, or we can put them in a to a terminal sire or or something like that. It's having 
having the information, you know, having the ability to collect data, but then not have to act on it then and there and, and, you know, draft them off and keep them in a separate paddock and, and then they get boxed up and you, you know, it's all that hard work's undone. So it's, um, yeah, it's brilliant. So now we, we're pretty much nearly dag scoring every, every year on the place, every year. And then we can look at her, I suppose, historical dag score, how repeatable that is. And, um, yeah, so, so if they're coming in uh, look, it's, yeah. out dags, you're sort of moving them on, say, like after two years or something like that, just to get a bit of a trend line or what? Oh, well, I suppose we're getting to the stage where, and, and I suppose what I was talking before about improving it, it, it's hard to know, you know, from our landing percentages has sort of gone from, I mean, when we started this, we were, I don't know, 95 to 100 was was there. In a good year, we might be 105 Um sort of lambs marked to use joined. Uh, the last probably four or five years, we've been sort of hovering between 120, 130. I think this year we were yeah, 100, 137. Um, and then we've been mating ewe lambs as well. So we've been sort of getting extra extra lambs out of the ewe lambs to bring in sort of on top of that. So um, all that does is just, yeah, it has given us just so many numbers to, to be able to cull. So... I suppose what I was getting at uh, back then, we were giving our, our um, maidens, so our eighteen-month-olds that that were dry at scanning, we'd sort of give them another chance the next year. We pretty quickly sort of stopped that, um, and then we started selling. we saying we sort of had to cull something, so we started selling our ones that would would sort of scan with singles two years in a row, yep. um, and then we progressed to scanning uh, like selling our. You know anything that was an older single, even if she was went twin, then single, then she'd go. Um, then we started just selling our maiden singles, um, and then yeah, now we're down to yeah, sort of selling our maiden, and we're we're getting to the stage where we can probably nearly sell our dry scan dry ewe lambs. Um, we're sort of getting 70 percent of our ewe lambs in lamb. So um, yeah, those dry ewe lambs we sort of where traditionally we'd sort of carry them for another twelve months. Maybe we sell them after scanning and. Um, and then just sort of reset and, and go again because we we sort of don't really need the numbers. But um, yeah, I suppose getting back to the DAG score, we we pretty much we pretty much cull on DAG straight away. So, yeah. but we are finding it to be, and and that's only been probably the last two years, and that's from looking at that um, DAG scoring one year, then DAG scoring the following year, and then we just looked at that data, and it was yeah not not a hundred percent. Um, you know, sort of repeatable, but it was, yeah, the the dirty ones tended to be dirty again. So we sort of thought, all right, well, now we'll just, anything that's dirty just goes at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, so, and then obviously we're not, yeah, we're not breeding anything out of those. So it's, we're, we're hoping to, yeah, to sort of, um, yeah, to sort of make them a bit more. And there's, yeah, whether it's, uh, you know, they're worm resistant or worm resilient, it's, um, yeah, it's not sure. We're not, we're not looking into it that much. It's just if, um, yeah, just sort of amazes me. You bring a mob in and there they've been in the same paddock, run under the same conditions and, and you know, 70, 80% of them are clean and some are just, yeah, making a mess of themselves. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of just that natural natural selection, I suppose, uh, under yeah. our management. So You say you're not really looking into it, but that information and data is probably there to be able to collect it as well. So you're much better off than having EID than not having EID and having the ability to measure um, what you're having. If you're worm resistant um, to minimize how many drenches, I think this year, 
Eastern Seaboard anyway, we would like to minimise how much drenching we've been doing just because of the amount of rain um, that has been around. Just a couple more questions to round it off. Functionality-wise, what sort of EID are you running now? Because we we were wrap around. We've been in it for two years ourselves. Um, yep. Started in commercial, and now we've, we've actually moved to the button now, so they're not ripping it out, and the plastic is a bit thicker. Yeah, yep. So we, we started off with uh, the Allflex um, rapid tags, yep. which for the yeah sort of wrap around with the uh, and the the chip was in the stem. Um, we just sort of had a few issues. Some of our older sheep would sort of come in at scanning, and the the actual chip was sort of disappearing. And I think I've, there's some photos and stuff on Twitter I've I've yep. put up, but I might have even been in this discussion. Yeah, the the sort of chips were falling out of the. Um, and then we sort of, but the tag was still there, so you sort of wouldn't really know until you had a really close look. So, and that was that was causing a bit of trouble at preg scanning because you know it was sort of hard to see. So we didn't really know until it was in the in the preg scanning crate, and then wouldn't read. So then we'd we'd have to actually re-tag it with another one, and then we sort of lost that. Um, yeah, we could go and find that animal's data using the number, but it was yeah, it was and look, it's probably five or six percent in in some of the older mobs. So yeah, in a mob of four or five hundred, sort of having to sort of retag twenty or thirty was just it's probably more the inconvenience. So the last couple of years we've sort of used Shearwell and Allflex um, side by side, and that was um, we sort of started breeding some of our own rams. So we it was really just to use like the nucleus lambs, got the shear shear wells, and then also just so we could you know, almost visually draft them as well. Um, uh, and then, yeah, then this year, so I think we'll, the shear will seem to be, um, seem to be reasonably good. We're happy with them. So I think yeah. we'll, moving forward from next year, we'll just use the, just use the shear wells. Um, and then, yeah, whether uh, going forward, once the, um, you know, yeah, when it's mandatory, whether we go back to, you know, whether lambs get an all flex and, yep. um, lambs get a shear well or, or something like that. So, um, yeah, that's so that's, that's it. Yeah, sorry, mate, I, I missed that. You can mix it up to what sort of purpose it is running for terminals. Maybe you go the cheaper tag or the one that doesn't really matter too much and you yep. tag it. Um, yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. So, yeah, you can you can mix and match. That It's all the same, you know, 12-digit RFID. So, um, yeah, it's just once you get your head around the um, having the bucket list and the – and if you – yeah, see, I don't mind a lot of our – farming stuff when data is all Excel spreadsheets. So um obviously yeah, if you if you're reasonable with Excel spreadsheets then yeah, then away you go. And that's I just use and manage and do a lot of our draft lists just sort of through Excel. Um which is yeah pretty basic, pretty cheap. I mean we're only a commercial operation, so we, we didn't want to be spending, you know, too much. But we do use the um the Sapien Cool Collects um software they use an auto record board. So we, we need to do that to do the fetal aging um, because there's they, they just get, rather than have the preg scanner, just put a, obviously if it, if you're not fetal aging, you can just put a, you know, one, two, three for single twin triplet, but because we want the early, late, yeah, early single, late single, early twin, late twin, it's it's much easier and quicker with a auto record board. So we do use the Sapien software for that. And I probably should put a lot of other data in there, but well, I'll just, been a bit lazy really it's all sitting sitting in excel but it's really preg scanning and dag scores are the the two major things um we're sort of using and and it's yeah it, it's helping us heaps i think good stuff well i think you're a lot further um 
field than what others out there are. What's the use case for terminals? Do you think um, EID coming in and weighing your weather lambs, see what time they're ready to go, uh, whether or not you're in paddock or weighing in the yards? Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. And and also guys that I know a lot of guys are sort of, um, you know, either finishing, sort of finishing their own lambs. So even even sort of weighing and then, you know, say re-weighing in three or four yeah. weeks. And if your sort of animals are, are at the lower end of the growth rates, well, they're obviously going to, yeah, they're, they're going to cost you a lot of money in, in sort of maintenance to get there. So then there's a decision there to quit them as stores and just uh, look at something like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think... Um, yeah, we all, all our lambs go, all our weather lambs and crossy lambs go stores off mum. So we we sort of haven't looked into it, but yeah, from a feedlot sort of point of view, to to get that individual data because yeah, you know what the average is growing at and the average weight, but there's yeah everything we've recorded. There's just um, yeah, just basically a big a big bell curve of you know really good performers at one end and and the average doing that in the middle, and there's always that those poor performers down the back. And, and I suppose that's what we're doing with the DAGs and the preg scanning is we're just trying to identify those poor performers as early as we can yep. and get them out of the system so so that we're, we've got, you know, the the highest, most value productive stock on, on, on our place because, you know, any farmer can only run X amount of units um, on whatever, you know, whatever size farm they've yep. got. So you want, them, you want the most productive animals possible, um, giving you the biggest return. That's, I mean, it... it that's just common sense to me. So that's what our system is built around, basically. So definitely, probably in those bigger areas too, when you you want your best sheep getting the grass, you don't want to be really wasting. Um, yep. On a ewe that's not going to be producing you a lamb at all, or if you're trying to target those twins as well. Um, moving on into that, but for yourself, what about the outside value? Do you buy rams in and? Do they have EID data that you could use, or like do you see this being a huge possibility to? Maybe we import what the previous farmer collected. Uh, oh yeah, that look. That's certainly a discussion, and and people that buy, um, you know, like yeah, a line of use or something off us. I'm sort of more than happy to share sort of any data or weaning weights or or whatever whatever we've got. Um, I think that's that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions with them is that oh, well, you know, if I sell them, well, then everyone's going to know all the information that I've collected. Well, it's not. That's that's yeah, not not the case at all. So, but obviously most most studs that we were buying rams off, you know, the, the rams would come with EIDs. But then what we can do is, but all that all that does is give you a twelve digit number of the their EID tag. There's no other data. But what we would quite often then do is um, enter that data into our system, and then we can look at all their we can enter all their ASPVs, and then if we were targeting, so we were sort of. You know, and that's when we when we started um, when we started with it, we were sort of trying to target our because obviously you get your, the most amount of lambs out of your older repeat twinners. So we were trying to target out the, the best rams that we had um, to those older repeat twinners. So knowing that um, they would give us the most replacement new lambs, if that makes sense. So yeah, we we have used the EIDs in the rams to do sort of I suppose draft list for joining so we're, we're targeting certain rams with with certain either age groups or or classes of stock so um and then obviously now we've we sort of started breeding our own they you know we we sort of collect all our own data on them and um yeah and then we've got use some um sort of uh, the smart shepherd collars to sort of yeah mother mother them up but i, I mean 
going forward, the holy grail for me is probably the sort of the smart tags that could sort of almost, I suppose, Bluetooth back to each other. Like if I could find out like exactly which one or two lambs, um, you know, each year was raising, then you obviously wean all those lambs and you've got an individual weaning weight. And if you could track that back to what, you know, what, what that you did, um, sorry, to, to which you raised them, well, then you'd have a kilograms of lamb weaned per you, which was, which was, yeah, which would be fantastic. So, I mean, at the moment, our twin mobs are, yeah, we're, we're sort of improving our twin lamb survival, but if you've got, you know, 100 twin ewes and there's 165, 170, 180 lambs there, yeah. you know that, you know, like, yeah, there's whatever, whatever the numbers are, 85 uh, have raised two and there's 15 with one or, or, you know, you, you can work it out, but you can't identify those fifteen that that have raised one. So to be able to do that, I think that would be where we would start almost nearly culling them, or if they did it, you know, if it happened two years in a row. Like I sort of wonder how repeatable that is with with those. Um, yeah, it, it could be the some some twins in our flock are probably doing the heavy lifting all year, and and then I think the thing that the, the the, the common thought would be, oh, well, if she's raising two, they're going to be little and scrawny. But sort of at, at weaning, we can, you know, we, we'll see a couple of the biggest lambs in the mob sort of following the same you, and you think, gee, she's doing all right. So it's, yeah, it, it's, Once you have yeah, that there's a lot of you things can, that... You could probably put those those twins, you know, she's going to produce twins in the better paddock so you keep them up to it compared to that single sort. Yep. Yeah, no, exactly. It's And same, you've got... You know where we are. You've got limited resources. You've got limited grass, limited feed that you that you want to feed out. So same with that early and late. It's just about allocating that that resource to the yeah to to the stock that's going to give you the biggest biggest bang for your buck, I suppose. Yeah, and I'll just finish off with um for that person that was worried about if they're selling their data with the sheep. I think you sort of want that to happen because if you're buying in, surely you want that data to be fed back to you. Um, what their performance of that you lamb ram whether whatever it may be is i think that'd be hugely beneficial to any farmer out there producer oh no yeah for sure for sure and and that's where we're sort of happy to to share that i mean probably yep. some of our, our biggest sales are obviously um a lot of our sort of heavier dag score ones i probably won't advertise them as a as a yep. line they'll sort of go um you know go to the sale yards as mutton but um, we, we will sell uh well like the last couple of years we've sold our um some we've sold our singles sort of scanned in lamb. So obviously we're you know, they're, they're scanned in lamb as singles and I'm happy to give them the early and late data if there's a, a mixed mob of singles or um yeah, we, we sort of uh like run them through as singles and then wean the lambs off them and then and then sold those ewes, you know, sort of October, November and they've sort of been advertised as yeah, they all raised the lamb and they all you know they're all scanned with singles so that so that people know so I, I think that that's just you know well I mean I, I'm happy to do that and I'm hoping other guys would would sort of do the same but it it is a bit tricky when you're only really selling your your, your cull sheep and you've sort of got to explain why you've culled them it's uh yeah whether some guys want to do that but I, I think that yeah and some guys don't want to share their data at all that, that that's up to them but yeah the you know the the fear of having all your data, you know, go missing or or you know sort of go with with the the the, the tag in the sheep is um yeah it's, it's sort of incorrect. All that data stays with with you with the record in your in your spread in the spreadsheets matched up to that that tag number. The only thing that moves is that twelve digit RFID number. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, the world's a rooster when coming to EID. <laughs> Southie, for yep. any farmers out there probably hesitant getting into them or whatever the course may be, what would be your one piece of farm's advice? Um, I reckon... I reckon just uh, and obviously they're well. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that it's 2025. Is that like New South Wales? I know it's definitely WA, but is it? Yeah, yeah everywhere else, bar obviously Victoria's already got it. Um, I would probably go and it's probably a bit late for this year, but I would just go and find some tags that you think that you want to use and put them in. You know, maybe everything next year, or even just all your ewe lambs next year, or anything that's gonna sort of be retained on your place, you know, from 2025 onwards. Um, yeah, they're a lot easier to put in a lamb on the cradle than a, than an adult sheep in the in a race or even in a sheep handler. It's, um, yeah, like I said, we sort of did six or 7,000 years the first year and that wasn't much fun at all. So put them in as lambs and then you, and you could even the following year when they're, um, you know, when they're compulsory, you can just sort of, yeah, do, do all your sheep that year. But once you've got the tags in, then you can start, looking at other stuff to back it up. I think the people's thing is, oh, well, I've got to go and buy the tags. I've got to go and buy this. I've got to go and do that. I've got to need a stick reader and need all of this other stuff. And they just sort of get confused and don't know where to start. Just go and buy some tags next year, put them in your yes. lambs that you're going to keep. And then and then you've got another 12 months to um, yeah, to go and do. And I think most of the service providers, you, you know, nutrients or elders or, or whatever are, uh, would have guys that uh, have either dealt with studs or they'll have information coming from Victoria about what, you know, what, what you can do with them. But yep. yeah, then you just need to sort of work out a plan or what do I normally cull or what do I want to record? Um, yeah. Just cause you've got them in, you don't need to record anything, but if you want to go and record whatever is, you know, whether it's fleece weights or, or whatever, then I'd, I'd look into that and go and, go and look into some gear to record that because you'll be amazed at the difference in, in performance in your flock and then you can really start making some changes. So, so yeah, just tags first, don't worry about anything else and then have another 12 months to think about what you what you want to record and, and then work out what you need to record that. Not uh, Yeah, you don't need all the whiz-bang gear. So. No, that's a solid tip, Southie. Thanks for coming on. Um, I think it was good that we could scratch out some questions there. You nearly answered and finished the whole episode in three Three minutes or three seconds. Yeah, sorry, mate. Apologies. But uh, no, look, like I said, I've, there, we were going to march on without them and I've, there's no way we're going back to not having them. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, by the by that they're uh, mandatory. But I, I just think, look, so many guys could get could get a lot out of them if, um, yeah, once they get in and once they, they get their head around it. So, nah, thanks for having us, mate. And, uh, yeah, good luck with the rest of the year over there. Too easy. Thank you very much. Only four lambings maximum probably to get these in before 2025. That's it. That's it. So, no, get, get your tags and get them in the ears and uh, you can work out the rest after that. You can't actually see what I'm wearing for every conversation, but be sure I'm wearing a Farms of Ice Green, as I like to call it, kindly supplied by Stockman & Co. By the farmers, for the land. Jason team over there do a stellar job, so check them out at stockmanandco.com. Get some quality work shirts, footy shorts, hats and more for this summer. Make sure you use the discount code that they supply just for Farms Vice listeners. Farms Vice 10. Make sure you get into it. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice podcast. It is produced by Advert Your Eyes Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. 
Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the farm's advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms of Ice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.